Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast famine lifestyle and build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit FreelanceToFounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's show, I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Chelsea Baldwin, as a special guest coach. Together, we have a great conversation with Australian freelancer turned agency builder, Caroline. She's built up a really nice freelance business and is now starting to build her agency by hiring a few subcontractors. But she's realizing it's harder to transition from solo freelancer to agency than she maybe initially expected. Chelsea and I coach her on two critical tasks in this episode. First, how to get her clients to start treating her like an agency instead of a freelancer. And second, how to get the word out about her new agency, even if she doesn't feel quite ready. We wrap up the episode with some really strong advice from Chelsea on getting new clients via LinkedIn, and we'll get into all of it right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm joined today. Uh, Clay is unfortunately not able to join us as the co-host, co-coach, but I'm joined today by my very good friend, Chelsea Baldwin, and she is a fantastic, she, she runs, well, I'll let her introduce herself, but she runs a, a couple of businesses and does some really, really neat things. Um, so in just a second, we'll introduce her, but welcome to the show, Chelsea, and thanks for joining us last minute. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. And also on the line with me is Caroline, uh, calling in from Australia for her coaching call today. And I know it's, um, I can't remember, is it late? Is it very late for you or very early for you, Caroline? It's very early. <laughs> very early. Well, thank you for making the sacrifice to jump on this call. I know it'll be worthwhile, especially with Chelsea here. So thanks and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Now, normally we would dive in right now and um, and talk about your business, Caroline. I want to pause that for just a second before we do that and and let the listeners know a little bit more about you, Chelsea, as a, a last-minute uh, fill-in coach. I really appreciate you being here. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on, who you are, the businesses that you're running, and, and just what you what you do generally. Yeah, so I started my career as a freelance writer. Um, hence the wonderful fit with Milo and the things we've done together over the years. But right, yeah. yeah, I started with a free as a freelance writer. I was for a while. And then five years ago, I decided to make my freelance writing an official business, quote unquote, give it a proper name instead of just me as a freelance writer. 
And that I still have that business. It's called Copy Power at getcopypower.com. And then I really liked doing it. I really liked the copywriting, but you know, I wasn't happy and satisfied where I was. I wanted to grow it to more. So I started doing digital trainings with it and um, coaching people on how to write copy and how to do business. And I also grew it into an agency where I started hiring subcontractors and training them, um, which we talked about, I think, on a previous episode of Freelance to Founder. Um, And then a year and a half ago, I got the idea for another business, which sort of evolved out of Copy Power because I was getting all these requests for help with business and coaching. So I started Business Bitch, which is at businessbitch.com, where I work as a business coach and I help people who are freelancers. I help really along three main pathways, freelancers, either wanting higher paying clients or more money or who want to evolve eventually into the agency model. I help um, consultants kind of get their network, get the high paying gigs. And I help people who sell digital products or who want to sell digital products for some passive income. So that's the gist of it. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. And you can see, Caroline, why I was so excited to get her on this particular call. Um, she has just done some really, really cool stuff and has some great experience that I think will come in handy as we talk about your business. Caroline, do you want to give us a a quick rundown on what you do, what you're working on and what your business is? Yeah, totally. Um, so I am the, I guess, founder creative director of Fable, fableagency.co. And, uh, we do, so we're a branding and content agency based in Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. So we create brands for our clients, uh, whether that's sort of an entirely new brand or they're just sort of looking for a refresh. So that's looking at sort of strategy, value alignment, down to sort of creating logos, typography, brand imagery, style guides, all of that. And then from there, we're able to sort of continue with brands on their journey, running the um, content for them. So we do video, photography, uh, written sort of like written stuff with blogs. We do um, design posts and stuff as well. And we manage the um, social media for them. So yeah, that's kind of what we do. Lots of different aspects to your business. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and tell me how long you've been doing this again. I know you recently changed your, your name and sort of switched to an agency model instead of, you know, just a freelancer. But uh, how long have you been at it? Yeah, so I guess I was sort of made um, redundant a couple of years ago in a content role, actually within a recruitment agency, funnily enough. Um, And from there, I just started freelancing. And I guess because I've got this background in advertising as a designer and also copywriter, um, it was kind of, you know, I could sort of kill two birds with one stone. So I started out um, a couple of years ago freelancing, you know, in-house for agencies And then from there, I started to sort of accumulate some of my own clients just by sort of word of mouth and referral. And then I think probably mid last year, I kind of made the decision that, you know, I really wanted to see where I could go with this and be a little less on the tools and see if I could, you know, bring in other contractors to sort of help me work on this stuff, um, you know, who were even better designers or, you know, better writers than I potentially could be. Um, and sort of have more of a sort of creative overlord sort of title. And um, I think as well, that's allowed me to kind of focus on the business side of stuff, um, which I'm actually really enjoying and had no idea what I was doing at the start. 
I think anyone that started a business can probably attest to the fact that the first <laughs> couple of years are a really steep learning curve. So, so yeah, that's kind of how, yeah. And then I guess six months ago uh, was when I sort of really started working on the branding for what this new agency would be. Um, and so that it's been born out of COVID, which is kind of nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah there are, there's a silver, a silver lining to all of this that's happening. I know lots of people that are either moving their business to a, in a better direction or they're starting a business for the first time or they're taking their business seriously. So there it definitely hasn't been what any of us would choose all of this with coronavirus, but, um, but definitely there's some silver lining. So I'm, I'm glad that it's working well for you too. I'm, I'm curious what, what kind of, what was the trigger for that switch that you made when you said you decided it was time to go from freelancing to building a brand and an agency. What triggered that? Do you recall? Yeah, I think the trigger was, and it's funny because you sort of mentioned it in a, in a few other episodes, but like having at the time I had more work that I could, than I could kind of do, um, which is a good problem to have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I just sort of thought, well, you know, and I also hit a point where I was like, unless I'm sort of, you know, increasing my hourly rate, uh, you know, I actually can't make more money. Um, so I thought, you know, how is a way that I can go about this? And it was to sort of have someone initially, it was to have people in who I would bill X and, and they would cost Y, which would be less than X. And then I could make, you know, a profit off that while also still doing you know that the, the business is ticking along while I'm still also working on other things. Since then, I've actually taken advice from other episodes and gone like, I'm not doing this on an hourly rate anymore. You know, I need to look at it from a value perspective. And I've started, especially for the content um, clients, uh, sort of billing in sort of like retainer packages. And that's been working really oh, well. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. And I know Chelsea has a lot of great advice in terms of converting those clients uh to you know recurring recurring billing chelsea we've talked about that in multiple settings yeah because you you're really great at that but um i guess maybe let's let's ask both of you for for the listeners you know you both have experience in converting those one-time clients into recurring revenue building retainers i know that's the holy grail for a lot of freelancers to just know that you're going to get a certain amount of revenue next month what would be maybe each of your number one tip? We'll start with Chelsea. What would be like your number one piece of advice for listeners who want to try that? Yeah, well, the number one thing that comes to me right now is to not expect clients to spend the same amount with you in the subsequent months as they do up front. So, um, you know, if they hire you for a big project, say it's $10,000, $14,000, even $5,000 for some clients, $5,000 is a lot of money. Um so you won't, I mean, it's possible that you could get them to spend that with you month after month, but more than likely they'll spend more money with you. And then after that, it's easy to come back and say, oh, hey, I can maintain this for you month after month for this price. And it's less than um, what they spent at the forefront in the first project, but it's like added value. It's something that is a relief to them. And then they've already seen you know, your quality of work and they're happy with you. So it makes sense to go ahead and hire you to do that, to contract you to do that instead of starting the process over again, finding another freelancer, because that's a lot of work. Like I've hired freelancers and stuff in the past and it is 
not a fun thing to go through. And I feel like when you find someone good, you like latch onto them like crazy. Yeah, 100%. Caroline, what do you think? I actually completely agree. (laughs) So the way that I sort of started doing it is that I initially had these two different types of clients. I had clients that would come in and say, hey, we've got a new you know, product or service or we're launching a new business and you know, we really want you know, to, to dive into brand strategy and, and come up with something beautiful. So I had those clients and then I had these clients that were coming to me and saying, hey, I know I have to do this social media thing, but I don't know how to do it. Can you do it for me? And then I just had this light bulb moment and I'm like, I can turn these people who have come to me with a branding problem and say, now that we've made this, which is, you know, that big injection of sort of money, those big projects at the beginning that Chelsea was talking about and said, you know, let's solve this problem that I think you're probably going to have, which is now you've got a brand. How do we do some branded content? And then say, well, here's a far reduced price that will definitely seem manageable. You can mix and match in different things that you want, which will adjust the price. um, And we'll just have that ongoing monthly. So I think for me, it was about identifying what problems needed to be solved for clients and sort of anticipating that and sort of planting those seeds and having those conversations. I love that. You're solving different problems with a recurring model than you are with the initial you know, branding project or, or, or whatever the initial project is, it's, it's, it's important, you know, you both pointed out to keep in mind that those are different, different services that you offer, different value that you bring to your client. And so the pricing has to be different. The process has to look different, but uh, you know, some exploration can definitely open your eyes to what could be possible in terms of recurring revenue for your business. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about where your business is headed then, Caroline. It sounds like you're doing some really great things, I would say, in terms of, you know, going from being a freelancer to a founder. Listeners of the show are, are going to be familiar with our freelance to founder scale. So if, if you haven't listened to an episode or it's been a while, then um, here's what happens. Every time we have someone like Caroline on the show for a quick coaching call, which by the way, you can join us as well if you visit freelance2founder.com. There's a little microphone button you can click and it will show you how you can apply to be on the show. We'd love to have you on for a coaching call. Caroline did just that. She filled out a, a questionnaire and among many questions, one is, where do you rate yourself self on a scale of one to 10, one being freelancer, 10 being a founder? And then where do you want yourself to be in six to 12 months? Caroline, do you remember where you rated yourself now currently? Yeah, so I rated myself as a five. Uh, and why was that? Um, I think, well, yeah, it's kind of smack bang in the middle, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think because, uh, I mean, this is probably more indicative of pre-COVID, if we're talking about, you know, the number of people sort of helping me out, I had sort of four contractors that were working with me on both sort of the branding and the content projects. Some of them were um, sort of guaranteed hours per week in their contracts and others were sort of more brought on on a project basis. So I think I really felt like I was, you know, had a bit of momentum Um pre-COVID, obviously COVID happened and, and a lot of my clients had to sort of suspend or pause their um, sort of ongoing content management and creation uh, packages that we had going, which, which you know, was really disappointing. But I, I understand, you know, I'm a business owner too, um, right. which 
and then a few of the projects also got sort of put on the back burner, which in turn meant that I kind of had to to suspend my agreements with my contractors because there just really wasn't the work happening. So I think it it was like it had momentum, it was going okay, COVID sort of happened and it's starting to creep a little back up. Um, but yeah, I think I think once I can kind of get to a point where we have where I'm less on the tools, then I'll feel like I'm more closer to the founder end of things. Right. Which is where you said you wanted to be in six to 12 months, which was like an eight out of 10 on the scale. Um, yeah. Paint us a picture of what that would look like in, in 12 months from now. Obviously, <laughs> it's the most unpredictable year ever. <laughs> uh, but, you know, assuming assuming things go like you'd like them to, what would it what would your business and your lifestyle around your business? What would that all look like 12 months from now? I think if we had, you know, a good amount of sort of ongoing retainer clients, uh, that would be awesome. If we had sort of a number of, uh, I mean, like we already kind of do have that, but if we had more, uh, if I had a kind of awesome little team, I don't, I don't want to be massive. I'm really happy to have a small team. I'm happy for them to kind of work remotely. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, if we had a really cool team of really talented people, working away at stuff and, you know, if I could be slightly less on the tools, as I said before, um, and being able to focus more on that sort of, um, you know, overlooking the the creative side, being more ideas driven um, in my work and focusing on concepting and also, you know, maintaining those relationships with clients, that would be great. And also if I could just take a week off and things would like still be ticking over, that would be pretty cool too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love putting it that way. That's a, that's a huge milestone when you feel like you can take time off and your team can handle what needs to happen during the time you're away. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro 
pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. I, I want to jump in then. So for the, for the remainder of the call then, I want to make sure that we add as much value to you as possible to help you get from that 5 to an 8 in the next 6 or 12 months. What's maybe one of the biggest roadblocks that you feel like you're facing that Chelsea and I could help you maybe talk through, brainstorm through uh, to, to kick the this part of the episode off with? Yeah, um, I think uh, one of the biggest hurdles I'm kind of facing is I'm, well, people don't know that I'm not a freelancer anymore. And um, that is my fault because I haven't marketed myself and I'm terrible at doing that. It's so funny because I'm not practicing what I preach. You know, I'm, I'm constantly sticking a camera in my clients' faces and saying, hey, tell me <laughs> about your business. But, you know, navel gazing is, is always the hardest. It's really hard to kind of do it for yourself. And I, I think I just need to get a lot better at that and, I'll, and let people know, you know, what services we provide. And you know, I just, you know, it's, it's also that, like that imposter syndrome, it gets you sometimes and you're like, I know what I'm doing, but do people really want to hear from me? You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's a big hurdle. Yeah. So if I'm hearing you right, um, maybe maybe one of the biggest hurdles is is a combination of imposter syndrome and also just helping people who you've already been working with transition over to almost treating you more like an agency than treating you like a freelancer. Am I am I hearing that right? Yeah, but also sort of getting new business. So like okay. letting the world know, like all of LinkedIn sphere know that I'm mm-hmm. kind of doing this now so that I can hopefully get new clients. Cause like that, that is, I've been really fortunate up, you know, the past two years, everything's really been by referral bar, maybe one client that I chased. Um, but yeah, I think letting people know this is what we do now and, and sort of hopefully in turn getting new business. Cause obviously like we can't really go to networking events and stuff at the moment. Right. So right. Yeah. Well, great. I, I think I have some great ideas to share. I'm sure Chelsea does as well. We're going to take just a quick pause for a message from our sponsors. Thanks for supporting this show. Um, and we will be right back and then we'll dive deep into, into some of these uh, roadblocks and hopefully uh, come up with some good solutions. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back to Freelance to Founder. I'm here uh, with my friend Chelsea as a guest coach. And we're chatting with Caroline about her business, some of the roadblocks that she's facing as she continues to scale her business. She's doing an excellent job so far, in my opinion. But um, we're talking a little bit about getting the word out there about her new brand, her new agency. She's been freelancing for quite a while, but but only recently started this new agency structure, and she just needs to get the word out there. So Chelsea, what advice do you have for her to start us off? Yeah, so it seems like to me, I've been taking notes while you were talking. Um, it feels like there's just a few foundational pieces that you can kind of get in place or process pieces. Um, as far as 
you were saying you feel like the main struggle is letting people know that you are not a freelancer anymore. But then you also said that um, everything, like most of your work comes in by referral. So like where do the referrals come from, if you don't mind me asking that? And how do they typically interact with you? Um, I think most of the referrals so far have, well, it's kind of been a mix. The original ones were from people that I had worked with in agencies who, who sort of knew people that were needing a bit of work done. And then from there, it's become my clients sort of knowing other people within the industry who are also saying that they need work done. So it's it's kind of been with people that I've either worked with when I was an employee of a place or clients referring mm-hmm. on to other new potential clients. Okay, because to me, like, it seems as though when you get the new people in, like transitioning existing clients into more of a agency basis setup is a different conversation. It's not that hard. You can just systematize some things and we can talk about that later. But it seems to me like when you get these new people in, like maybe someone who refers you does refer to you as Caroline. She does this, she does that, she does that. Um, And it sounds like they are referring a person, which they are. But once you get these people on the phone and once you start talking to them, you can just let them know like, oh, this is an agency. It's not just me being a freelancer. We have a person, however your setup is, like a person who does branding, a person who does the copy, this, that, and the other, or however that setup would look like for their particular situation and the work that they need done. I agree with that, Chelsea. I If I can add, like, so so with um, my business, when, when I have someone reach out to me for something that I don't typically do on our team, it's it's a very easy way to like, because it, it can be a little awkward to just like out of the blue say, just so you know, I'm not a freelancer, right? Which I know isn't what you're right. necessarily suggesting, but <laughs> but like it's hard to find that moment to say or to make that clear. For me, a really great moment to do that is when they ask about the details of a project. So I would let it kind of slide yeah. until they say like, um, you know, we'd love a new uh, some new social media content or whatever. And then you say, um, great. Our, our social media team is fantastic at taking your current assets and converting them into, into social images or whatever, or, or, you know, my social media manager or whatever. For me, it's always like, great, I'll connect you with my blog manager or my sponsorship manager. Like there's, there's always someone I can connect them with so that they recognize that it's not just a one person thing and that there's a little bit more to it. So there can be opportunities, I guess, throughout your conversations to maybe bring that up. Yeah. And just Caroline, so, you know, I did a little bit of that back and forth with freelancer to agency, freelancer to agency kind of thing when I was making the transition. And if you look at my website, it's still pretty like Chelsea heavy. Like there's a lot of pictures of me still on there. Um, Like I think my about is more about me as a writer I'm not sure if I've updated that yet or not. It's been a while since I updated the Copy Power website, but it is a pretty easy transition and conversation to have, um, especially when you just kind of go in without the assumption, because I get a lot of referral business as well, like people who find me from Google or who find me through somebody else talking about my work. And it's a thing where I can still, like I still do some of the copywriting work, but sometimes... um, you know, I outsource it to contractors and it's, it's usually a pretty easy conversation. If I can tell it's something I would rather outsource, then I just kind of start having the conversation about, 
oh, well, when we work together, then I describe the situation of how I onboard them onto the project management software, how I work with the writer on it. Um, because I'm still involved in the project, like you, it sounds like you would be as the creative overlord, like you said, uh, yeah. you're still involved. And so you're your creativeness, the goodness that they want to hire you for is still there. It's just, you're not doing the actual like pen to paper kind of work. You're not being on the tools, like you said. Excellent. So Caroline, uh, it sounds like maybe there were two parts to this issue, which was, uh, which was first of all, like getting treated like an agency, but then second of all, just getting your agency and brand out there into the world. Do you feel like we've addressed the first and do you have any any more questions on that first half before we jump into the second half? No, no, no. I think you guys have answered that first half really well. Yeah. Okay, good. So tell us a little bit more about this. I guess it's really a sales and promotion or a business development issue. Where where are the real pain points here? Um, well, I guess I've only just launched the website which I'm I'm still tinkering away with to be honest but uh yeah I don't know it's it's kind of difficult because I'm I feel like there's more work that I wish I could put on the website that I'm not able to because some of the projects aren't finished or you know we're we're kind of not allowed to so I guess I kind of don't want to promote it until I can get more stuff on there but then it's kind of like well when is a good time to start? Mm. You know, shouldn't I, should I maybe just sort of go, all right, this is it. We're doing it, you know, put out, you know, start promoting it on LinkedIn, maybe run some ads. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's that like, I'm not a hundred percent proud of everything. Well, I am proud of all the work I've done, but you know, I, I want there to be more on there. Um, before this is, I like this tell is the an world issue. about it. Yeah. I hear this all the time. Like my portfolio is not done enough to send cold emails or to run an ad campaign or to do any sort of sort of sales and marketing. And unfortunately, I don't I don't think this will happen with you, Caroline, from from the bit that we've chatted. I don't think you'll get stuck in this, but many freelancers do get stuck in that cycle of it's never good enough, so I'm never going to promote it. And then they just kind of keep the current client flow that they have and it just stays kind of mid-level and it never grows, right? It never gets to the point that you want it to be. And so mm-hmm. I would advise against that because I have seen a lot of freelancers fall into that trap where a year later, they're still saying, well, my portfolio is just not quite quite right. And it sounds like maybe Chelsea has seen that as well. Um, so I would advise against that. But I would also say like, it's probably more ready than you think it is. Um, you know, for me, converting clients on a portfolio is way more about the copywriting, about the value proposition, about understanding the client, showing that you understand the client, than it is about the actual projects and work that they review. Um, I, you know, I've seen very successful portfolios with one or two examples of work, and the rest is all about, here's what we'll do for you, here's the value we provide for you, here's what our other clients are saying about us, um, here's why you can, you know, be confident in hiring us. It's, it's all about, it's a big sales pitch, really. Um, Mm. instead of a big, you know, showcase for your best work. Yeah, it's actually, that's interesting that you say that because I remember listening to another episode where you were sort of talking about when, or you or Clay, I can't quite remember, but when you're in those initial chats with people, people like clients or potential clients don't want to hear about you. They kind of want to hear about themselves. So I guess it's like once I've got them through the door, I need to, yeah, stop 
<laughs> being so critical <laughs> of the work I've got to show and just focus on what I can do for them maybe. Yeah, and I would say like I feel like I never had the portfolio that I wanted like ever because there's always like a client <laughs> right. who would I would do these amazing huge copywriting projects and I could only show them off like a few months of the year because there were things that people would launch only a couple months out of the year and then they would take all that stuff down and it wasn't online anymore and I couldn't show it but it was such good work uh you know and another thing I have experienced is a lot of clients think they need to see that you've done work exactly like theirs and in their exact niche and their exact type of business but they don't need to see that um like I, I've been getting a lot of inquiries through copy power for photographers lately and you know they want to see this exact kind of copy for this exact type of photographer and it's like you know what here are some photographer websites that's like good enough and most people are very much sold on that just seeing that I have done great work for photographer websites in the past you know what I mean so I wouldn't let that hold you back at all it sounds like, yeah, it doesn't sound like you're going to get stuck in this. Like Preston said, it sounds like you will always have stuff to add to your website and you can definitely keep adding, but I wouldn't let it hold you back. And I would go ahead and just like, you know, be shameless on the LinkedIn's telling all the people about all the things that you're doing um, and just go ahead and put it out there because imposter syndrome is bullshit. You have good work. I looked at your website before this. It's good. Like you're good to go. It sounds like an agency. Your website doesn't sound like you are a freelancer. I agree. Um, so I would say you're ready to just, you're ready to put it out there. Just um, got to take the leap. Yeah. <laughs> so take the leap. I agree. I think, I think you're ready. Imposter syndrome is, can be debilitating. Like, especially the longer you let it go on, right? The more you give yeah. into it, the more power it has over you. And the only way to beat it is to like show it that it's, it, it doesn't have that power. And so I, I agree. I think it's time to just do it. Um, now, there may be a difference between like telling your network and um, doing some smaller things versus like large in-depth sales processes with, uh, you know, LinkedIn campaigns. Like there's all of those elements that, yeah, you may want to tweak your portfolio and the copy and the the ability to capture leads and those kinds of things. But I'd say start start now with what I like to call a minimum viable portfolio, which you mm -hmm. have. Like you have the minimum necessary to actually get new business from your portfolio, and I'd say go for it. I want to know, uh, Caroline, though, what's what's resonating or what's what's uh, inducing fear or excitement or what are you what are you feeling and where should we head from here? Yeah, no, actually, I think. <laughs> maybe also just hearing that like you guys have kind of been through it too and and hearing from other people that you guys think that my work's kind of ready to get out there and just do it I think that's that's super helpful I think it's tricky when you know when you've had a career um where you've you know worked for different agencies and stuff and, and you've accumulated this portfolio of work where you've worked on like pretty big clients like I have and then you go to sort of starting your own agency and you're starting out with not like small clients but like less known ones you kind of like you tend to kind of compare the two and I think I need to kind of stop doing that and saying you know these are two separate things you know and and just kind of like push out what I've got which is yeah you guys are right I do have good work I just need to get it out there I think, yeah, I think you're ready to put it out there. If you, um, you also mentioned like 
um, business development and wanting to bring more clients in, which is something we could talk about too. Great. Yeah. A very common issue that freelancers and agencies and everyone in between faces, right, is that issue of how do I get how do I get more clients that I can actually predictably bring into my business? Sure, I'm getting referrals, but the, you know, I don't control that as much maybe, and, and I never know if I'm going to get a referral or not. So how do I control the flow of new clients into my business? Chelsea, what advice do you have for her? Yeah, well, you mentioned LinkedIn. So do you like using LinkedIn? Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's the first thing I check when I wake up in the morning. Isn't that sad? <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> I just outed um, myself as a LinkedIn addict. Oh my God. I Okay. I love LinkedIn too. And I haven't made proper use of it. Like I've wanted to for a really long time, but I've just started like a week and a half ago. I started committing to LinkedIn and just spending like half an hour a day on there, just commenting on other people's stuff. Um, and it has re- like my, Last week, my profile views went up by 900%, which is very significant. Um, Not that they were astronomical beforehand, but they were, you know, they were there. They existed. And then this week, they've already gone up by like an additional like 40 more percent or something just by keeping that habit of being on there every day, talking in my niche. I'm still finding my stride. But um, if you like LinkedIn, do you, are you active on there and commenting on people's stuff, talking to people? Um, because I find it has been an incredible way, both for copy power and now I'm using the business bitch branding on LinkedIn. But um, it's been a great way to make referrals happen. Yeah, I'm more of a lurker. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I probably need to be more sort of active in terms of, yeah, like you say, sort of commenting on things and showing that engagement to people and hoping it swings back around. Yeah. yeah, I think showing showing up and showing even just like little tastes of your expertise, not in a salesy way, just like mm. genuinely helping people, offering support and value where you can. Then people click through your profile, which is what Chelsea was referring to, like her profile views are up. A percentage of those people will click through, you know, if your which it should if your profile has a link to your agency website. A portion of those people will eventually contact you. So it's it's kind of mm-hmm. a, a version of a funnel, right? Yeah, yeah. And I would say like my profile views went up like astronomically, but then my website traffic was up 30% as a result oh, wow. of that, which was good, which is good. It's good. Um, but yeah, there, are, awesome. yeah, there are so many ways to go about getting clients as a freelancer or as an agency. I think it's just most important to know how you work best because you can do like the SEO for Google um, to get found on Google by people. You can do the LinkedIn networking thing. You can do the, like just staying tight in your own referral network thing, um, and building a referral network that way. Um, do you have a way that you prefer or a way that works for you that you want to, um, sort of multiply? Um, I, I mean, I think I'm pretty sort of comfortable with LinkedIn. I think I probably just need to be more sort of outgoing and active like you guys suggested I think as well I don't kind of want to get trapped into the uh, like within an industry you know I, I kind of want to be able to do really different you know to keep it exciting in time in terms of the work and the ideas that we're sort of coming up with um to not sort of be stuck um in in a niche type of industry if that kind of makes sense mm-hmm. yeah 
that does make sense. I will add, however, there can be value in starting in a particular industry. Like if if um if three companies in the same industry all of a sudden are all rec are all recommending Fable Agency for whatever project, then suddenly it feels like quote unquote everyone is using Fable, right? Um, and so like sticking to one niche or one industry can be valuable. And then you, and then when, when you've kind of exhausted all of, all of the potential there, then you just move to another one and do, do something similar, but there can be a power in networks where, you know, all a good example of this is like ConvertKit, which is like an email marketing software. They started first with, I can't remember food bloggers maybe. And then it felt like every food blogger on the planet was using ConvertKit. And then they moved to fitness bloggers and every fitness blogger, it felt like because they got the top, you know, five or 10 fitness bloggers to, to try their software, it felt like every fitness blogger was using ConvertKit. And so there's this kind of mob mentality that you can almost fabricate by sticking in a niche, but that doesn't mean you have to pigeonhole yourself for the rest of your agency's life, lifespan um, in that one hole, but it can be a, a good marketing tactic. Yeah, yeah I hadn't actually thought of it that way. Yeah. I didn't know about the convert kit thing. That's really cool. But yeah, that's also too what you are wanting to contract other people out to for, right? So you can do what you want. And then um, if you get too many projects in one niche, you don't have to necessarily do all the work for them, right? Yeah, also a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. <laughs> I also have a, a friend, Bobby, who's been on the show. He talks a lot about paid outreach on LinkedIn. So if you really like LinkedIn, there are companies, I think one's called Cleverly. I haven't tried them, so I'm not necessarily endorsing them, but um, they help with like paid outreach where you can actually send direct messages to people on LinkedIn. You've probably been on the receiving end of these and some of them can seem very spammy, but if done right, it's just like email marketing. You know, it can seem, it can be very genuine. You can say, hey, uh, you know, wondering who helps with your branding or who helps with your social media management or you know, et cetera, et cetera, and just start conversations with people at positions at companies in, in niches that you want to work in. Yeah, definitely. I haven't really explored that before. I've had clients um, that I've kind of helped them with that a bit. Um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's something that I should definitely look into, I think. Do you, do you feel like you have a budget or a desire for for paid outreach or do you mostly want to focus on you know free organic stuff for now where where's your meter on that i think i re i would prefer to sort of start with more organic stuff um and then sort of like float with that for a while see how it goes maybe put a little ad spend down the track see how that goes as well yeah i don't know i think i think organic is what i know and it's also what i preach um, because right. we don't really touch um, the sort of like digital ad spend, digital marketing side of things. We have partners that we work with. I mean, I you know, we can help very high level stuff. But um, yeah, I'm always encouraging my clients to really focus on their organic branding. So like their organic content and branded content. So I think that's kind of what I know and kind of where I want to stick with, at least for now anyway. There's definitely merit in sticking there like, I've tried ads and stuff over the years and, um, you know, different things work for different businesses for sure. But I would say that organic has definitely worked the best, especially, especially for copy power as the agency that seemed to work way better for getting client leads than spending money on ads that 
you know, maybe got a client in the door, so it did pay for itself, but it didn't feel like that's great of a payback. And again, all companies are different, but yeah, I would say there's definitely merit in following that organic build. And I'll just add something in really quick, like hashtags on LinkedIn are where it's at, like as far as finding things to comment on. So uh, like I am on the self-employed hashtag like every freaking day, but you would be maybe on something else like branding or whatever hash, like you can follow a handful and see which one has the best content to like dive into every day. But yeah, because then that's other content that people have already created that you don't have to create and then you just respond to it and then get your name out there that way. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I haven't actually done that. So I'll definitely look into that. There's definitely opportunity there. If I had to sum up everything we've talked about so far, I think it comes back to honestly, that imposter syndrome. Um, You know, you're, you're nervous to put your portfolio out there because you're not quite sure it's ready. You're more of a lurker on LinkedIn because maybe I'm guessing maybe because uh, you're afraid of how you'll be perceived if you engage in certain conversations um, so, you know, maybe, maybe the, the biggest piece of advice that I would suggest coming out of all of this is like, it, you're, you're good. You're ready to go. I say, start taking some of these actions, start, start reaching out to people, genuinely helping people on LinkedIn, um, posting your portfolio, sharing, sharing your work. Like there, there are things that now you can actively do and, and not be afraid mm-hmm. or ashamed or scared or feel like an imposter, um, because you're there, you're ready. Uh, I feel like this has been therapy, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you for for taking the time to do the call. I I hope that therapy means it's been also helpful. Um, Good therapy. Yeah, good therapy. It doesn't always end well, especially just with one session, but I hope it's been been helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I I wish you luck, and I I think you have a lot of fun uh and fun success ahead of you honestly you're you're headed in the right direction from what i can see oh thanks guys any parting words chelsea um not really like you seem like you have your head straight on your shoulders you know what you want just yeah getting over that imposter syndrome even if you have to suspend your beliefs about who you are for a minute just to dive into linkedin and do it for half an hour an hour whatever um just do it it will it will come back and pay you back because you like LinkedIn. It's a great platform for what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love what James Clear says in his book, Atomic Habits, which if you haven't read is an incredible book. Um, he says that basically the actions that we take every day are votes for the person that we are. So mm-hmm. by engaging on LinkedIn and sharing your portfolio around, you start to vote for the person that you want to be. Even if you feel like an imposter in the moment, eventually with enough votes, you become the person that is not afraid to share their portfolio, that's confident in their work, that's confident in in giving back to the community and that kind of thing. And so it's kind of a cool way to look at it, that the more votes you cast in that direction, the less you'll feel the tug of imposter syndrome. In my experience, it never goes away entirely, uh, but, but definitely you can feel less of that pressure the more votes you cast in the other direction. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode today. We really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify, visit getdripify.com 
to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time, see ya.